0: Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Good morning. Matthew chapter 6 is where we will be today for our message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them there, and we'll be there in just a few moments. If I haven't had the privilege of getting to meet you, my name is Matt Boyd and I'm the lead pastor here at this church that we call Sojourn. And we're thankful for whoever you are, wherever you are, that you are joining us this morning for our online gathering. I have a high view of the local church and love gathering with God's people. Um, now, the last year online has been a poor substitute if I must be completely transparent with you, but I still love the gathering of God's people. I mean, really, that's an important part of what it means to be a church. We've been studying the Lord's Prayer for the last several weeks, and I don't know about you, but us slowly working through the Lord's Prayer has really revolutionized the way that I pray. I've preached on the Lord's Prayer maybe two other times prior to this series, and both times I just did the whole Lord's Prayer in one sermon, and that's okay, but I've realized by actually pumping the brakes a little bit and Slowing down, that I was actually missing a lot of the components of really seeing how this prayer actually works together. And that I was missing so much of um, just kind of the robust, um, beautiful aspects of this prayer. Even as a pastor, I don't really have a great prayer life. I sometimes think that I do. I wish that I did. It's painful for me to even tell you that. But the reality is, I just don't feel like I'm very good at prayer. And one reason for this is my mind, it often wonders when I'm praying that I think about what I have to do that day. I think about the emails that I need to respond to and check. I think about the things that I need to do for my family and spending time with my children or what my wife and I are gonna watch on Netflix that night. Or I think about, man, what, what's happened in social media since I checked it last five minutes ago? Am I, am I alone in this? Where My mind will wonder in prayer. But this prayer, the Lord's prayer, it's helping me in tremendous ways. Because what it's doing for me, and I'm hoping it's doing the same for you, it's recentering my prayer life. Instead of allowing me just to get off of my own thoughts, my own wants and needs and desires, or instead of just allowing me to not do prayer at all and get over here, it's kind of really recentering my prayer life. You see, it's not that I don't pray. I do pray. I pray often, I pray daily. But often I feel like my prayers are out of balance. That, that they are all about me. They are all about my family and my wants and my needs and my desires and, and my church. Whereas the Lord's Prayer, what's helping me do is it's helping me to again see the proper order of prayer. And that's why I love that we're going through this slowly because we're seeing once again the proper order and the chain of how this Lord's Prayer works together. And I think as we see it in its proper place, we realize it's not bad to pray for ourselves. It's not bad to pray for our families and our wants and needs and desires, but we see where it fits in prayer. One thing I would encourage you to do if you haven't already is write out the Lord's Prayer. Take some time, maybe this afternoon or maybe this coming week and write out the Lord's Prayer, but don't just write it out and throw it on your refrigerator or on the mirror. Write it out and actually pray through this prayer. Do, do this that we call contemplative prayer, where you really meditate on the words and what they are saying, but that you would pray through these petitions that we are looking at each and every week. Maybe this is a practice that you wanna implement during this season that is known as Lent, the, the 40 days leading up to Easter. And maybe you say, you know, during this time, I'm gonna write out the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you write it out daily. For some people, that's a really good practice. Or, or maybe you write it out one time, but you slowly, daily will pray through this prayer. That's something that I've started doing is just praying through these petitions that we're seeing Week in and week out as I see its prayer in its proper order and place. Now, in the second half of the Lord's Prayer, which we're starting now, what we see is the possessive adjective, it changes from your to our. And as we turn our attention from God's affairs, which we've been looking at the last several weeks, to our own affairs. And so we this is when prayer is in its proper place, because we have expressed our burning concern for God's glory, and now we're expressing our humble dependence on God's grace for our lives. And so as this prayer continues, we're gonna to continue to build. And we're, as we now think about the last few weeks, we started this prayer. And we have a right understanding of God. Who's God? God is our Father who is in heaven. We said, his, whose name is holy and to be praised. We looked at last week that we we're desiring that his kingdom would come here in Portland, here on earth, and that it would be as it is in heaven. And we long for him to have his way. Remember, not what I want, but what you want. Lord, have your will in our lives And so now that we have done that first part of prayer, we can turn our attention to the second area of prayer, which includes our needs. Once again, we usually get this backwards. You usually start with the second part of the prayer and it's all about our needs. And we sometimes, often we forget about the first part. But now that we've set up the first part, we can get into the second part. And you think about this, God, our father in heaven, he loves us and he's concerned for the welfare of his children. God isn't a God who just says here, figure it out, but he actually loves us and he cares for our welfare. He's a loving father who desires that we bring our needs to him. I mean, how, how cool is that? That The God who created the universe cares enough about us that not only did he offer us salvation in his son, but he actually lets us come to him and ask him for things. He cares about our needs and, and providing for them. He cares about our forgiveness of sins. He cares about delivering us from the evilness and brokenness in this world. And so we've been working our way through the Lord's prayer for about four weeks now. It's, it's hard to believe that we've, we've stretched out just the first half to that. So we've got another three or four weeks to go. And here today, we've come to this fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer, which focuses on the disciples' daily bread. And about daily bread, it's a necessity of life, which by implication includes a believer's daily physical needs. And so it's not just the physical loaf of bread or just the physical meal that we have in front of us, but the daily provisions that we need in order to really survive this life. And so let me go ahead and pray for us by reading the opening verses of the Lord's Prayer. And so Matthew 6, uh, verses nine through 11 as the prayer of our heart this morning as we look at this message. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The last two weeks, we looked at verses nine and 10 in depth. And so if you missed those messages, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them wherever it is you uh, podcast or on our website. But this morning, we're going to spend the bulk of our time looking at one verse, verse 11. And we're going to attempt to answer three questions. So if you're taking notes, here they are one, why should we pray for daily bread? Two, how should we pray for daily bread? Three, what is this bread? And so we're gonna work our way through this request by seeing that God cares about providing for you. So I want you to hear that this morning. God cares about the material things in your life. God cares about where you go to school. God cares about where you work. God cares about your future plans. But, and I want you to hear this, God wants us to have a correct way of thinking about all of those things when we ask for them. And so in this verse says, give us this day our daily bread, which is representative of all the things in life that we need. And so first question, why should we pray for daily bread? I mean, I can, I can think about it. God knows what we need. So why do we need to pray for it? Like, shouldn't he just magically see it all and understand it? So why should we pray for this? When we ask for daily bread, here's what we're doing. We are declaring our need for something. And really ultimately, we're declaring our need for God to intervene and to act is it doesn't say lend us this bread. It doesn't say, God, can I borrow some bread? It doesn't say, go out and work really hard and earn your bread. It says, give us this bread. I sometimes think about my youngest son, Oliver. He's he's adorable, he's cute, he's five years old, and he'll run up to me without any hesitation. He'll say, give me a snack. And sometimes he demands that I provide him with a snack in that moment. And after the hundredth time of me probably being busy doing Zoom calls and emails and writing sermons, I'll do as many parents do. And I'll say, Oliver, let me ask you a couple questions. I'll say, Oliver, whose house is this? And he'll Kind of look and think, say, it's your house. Okay, let me ask you another question, Oliver. Whose snacks are these? In other words, who bought these snacks? Well, you bought these snacks. And so once he recognizes this, and maybe rolls his eyes as a five-year-old would do, that all of these things belong to daddy, let me be clear, and mommy, he then, without skipping me a beat, will say, "Man, please have a snack? Like, at the end of the day, he just still wants a snack. Okay, dad, of course, I recognize this. And of course what I do, as any loving parent, if we have snacks, I respond, yes, you can have a snack. But as I was preparing this sermon this week, it hit me that Oliver's really taught me something by the way he'll come up and say, give me a snack. Because as a five-year-old, he recognizes that he can't pay me back he can't drive to the grocery store and swipe a credit card or pull out a $5. Like He can't do those things. But he also recognizes, I can't pay mom and dad back for these things. But he also recognizes that mom and dad have access to the thing that he wants. He wants food. He wants a snack. Now he may try to pay us back with cuddles and those do often work. But what Oliver taught me about this verse is the posture of which we come to our father in heaven and declare that he give us something that we need. In other words, this is the same confidence that we should have when we go to our Father in heaven. It's not not that we're demanding, but saying, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, God, there's no other way to get it. You have what we need, and it's you and you alone who gives us provision in our lives. And by the way, that's true if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Those who aren't Christians, who who still God's providing for them, it's God's common grace that's allowing them to have food and allowing them to have provisions in their, their life. But the point is, this is the same confidence. The confidence that Oliver comes to me or to Andrea and asks us for a snack is the same confidence that we are to go to our Father in heaven and say, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need. And see, what we need to have is a right view of God that will give us what we need. And God as our Father in heaven will give us good things and a right view of our needs. James 1.17 reminds us, it says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You see, some of you are treating God like a transaction or like a transactional statement, but what we call that is karma, and karma is the complete opposite of the gospel. Like, okay, maybe I'll do enough good things and God will give me this. Or I'll well, no, I've done too many bad things, so maybe God won't give me those things, but maybe I'll do a couple more good things and read my Bible a few more times and pray a couple more times, maybe God will do. No, that's not how the gospel works. That's karma. That's complete opposite of the gospel. What the gospel says is that I'm utterly dependent on you, God. Give me what I need to survive. That is the gospel. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, Matt, you don't know, like I work hard for what I have. Like I'm a really hard worker. I've got a really strong work ethic. Well, praise God. I believe as a Christ follower, you should work hard. I believe as a Christ follower, you should be the hardest worker at your place of employment. But have you ever thought about this? Who is it that gave you the ability to work? Who's it that gave you the ability to work hard? Okay, this is when Sunday school answers are okay. The answer is God. Yes, it is God who gave you that ability to A, work. It's also God who gave you B, the ability to work hard. And so the ability that you have isn't an excuse for you to say, but why should God give to others? And why should we give to others? Why should we pray for others? But the ability is evidence of God's mercy and grace in your life. And so even that is a gift of God that he has given you those things. Think of it this way, any talent that you have. I mean, my wife is a beautiful artist. Like it's amazing the stuff she can put on paper. I can't hardly do stick people if I tried to. It, it's just something I don't have. And so even that's a ability that God gave her that he forever didn't give me, but he gave me other abilities that he didn't give her. And so whatever abilities you have, it's, it's a good time to pause and recognize that these are gifts from God. Think of it this way. When was the last time you prayed, Lord, will you give me everything I need to live today? And here's what I mean by that. When's the last time you thought, God, give me oxygen to breathe. God, give me food to eat. Maybe during the snowstorm, you prayed that. God, give me people to love me. God, give me the ability to work. Now, the reality is that most of us don't pray these prayers, not as Americans anyway. Most of us, we take those things for granted, especially, I mean, oxen. When I was think like, oh, I need oxygen. We just, we have it. It's just there. I'm breathing. I'm taking breaths, even as I'm speaking. It's just something that we do. Most of us, now there are a lot of people in our city with, without food, but most of us tuning in this morning, if you have the internet and the ability to tune in, you probably have food is the reality. You probably have a pantry stocked full of food. And so as Americans, we don't often do this. We take all this for granted and we just almost expect them to happen. But we need to realize that everything you have is a gift and it's a gift from God, the talents that you have in your life, the family that you have, the house that you have, the food that you have, the car that you have, on and on and on. Everything you have is a gift from God. Even if you work hard, Even even if you had to do things other people didn't do, even if you had to go to school and get multiple degrees, it's all a gift from God. Think of the storyline of the Bible. There's one long story throughout the entire Bible of God graciously providing for his children, his people, and then his people in turn trying to live like they or another God could provide better for them. We see this time and time again, and it has continued into today. That the reality is we need God. We need to recognize we need God for his provision, but oftentimes our functionality, we function, we live like a functional atheist where where we pretend that we can do better than God can do and that we look all these other places for all these other vices that what only God can actually do. And so part of what it means to be a Christian is submitting to the will of God, is recognizing that the radical generosity of God for your very existence for the, the oxygen you breathe, for being able to walk, for being able to play in the snow, like everything. I can't stress that enough. Everything relies on the radical generosity of God in your life. Second question, how then should we pray for daily bread? Now this means more than just simply praying a prayer before your lunch or dinner, although that's not a bad idea to do that. So when we mean praying for our daily bread, what we're doing is we're declaring our need. In other words, don't think about your needs, think about our need. It's plural, it's collective, it's a communal prayer that we are to pray when we pray this prayer. Because it doesn't say my daily bread, it says our daily bread. This doesn't mean you can't pray for your individual needs, this doesn't mean you shouldn't pray for your own lunch today, but what this means is you get to, you have the opportunity to, to pray for our collective needs. And in the context of a local church, you get to pray for our collective needs as a local church. Now, we all know looking at 2021, we're looking at it as a rebuilding year. 2020 was a refining year. and We made it to the other side of it. Now 2021 is a rebuilding year. But do you wanna know how we're gonna rebuild? Do you wanna know how does a are gonna to get to that next phase as a church? We're going to rebuild and grow as a church by praying. And not just praying for ourselves, but praying for our church and praying for our community collectively. And so let me encourage you, if you're not pray for the other people of Sojourn Church, pray for those who who are gonna become people part of Sojourn Church and pray collectively for the needs of our community and our city. Martin Luther says, when we pray this prayer, we are praying wanton exploitation in business, trade and labor, which crushes the poor and deprives them of their daily bread. He goes on to add, let them be aware of the intercession of the church and let them take care that this petition of the Lord's prayer does not turn against them. In other words, don't just pray for the provision of your needs and for your family, but pray for provision of your brothers and sisters as well. So let me ask you this question, church. How many of us are deeply discouraged by the state of our nation and even our city after the last year? Okay, if we were all actually in the room together, I would say, don't give me a raise of hands or I would expect every hand to go up. My guess is that all of us, and we might be in different spectrums, but my guess is all of us are discouraged by the state of our nation and even our city. There's all kinds of fractures and brokenness and problems and issues that we're having that we need to deal with. But here's my follow-up question. How many of us are actually praying that they will get their daily bread? that those in our city will get their daily bread, that those in our nation will get their daily bread. How many of us are looking to be conduits of God's daily provision of bread to others? Once again, bread's representing not just physical meal, but other provisions, other things that need people need in their lives. Because here's what this reality, this is what this should do to us. Praying this prayer should take us out of the self-obsession of just praying for us and getting more, hashtag blessed, American Christianity. And I say it that way because I think oftentimes in American Christianity, which is oftentimes contrary to biblical Christianity, is that it's, man, look what God has done for me. God blessed me with this. So now I got a bigger house. God blessed me again. So I got a bigger house. And God blessed me. So I got a newer car. God blessed me. So I got this and this and this. And it's hashtag blessed. And it's like, look how God loves me. And meanwhile, our neighbor, sometimes our literal neighbor, our neighbor somewhere in our community might be sleeping in a tent or on the street and we're like, well, I guess God just doesn't love you because you're not hashtag blessed, but look at my life, I'm hashtag blessed. And that is, that is not what this is talking about. It's, it's saying our prayer, our daily bread. And so it's not, man, I've got blessed to look at me, but no, we should be praying for the needs of those in our city who maybe haven't received that blessing for one reason or the other. And we don't fully understand that oftentimes. But here's how most American Christians think. God obviously wants to bless me. And so now that he's blessed me, I'm gonna adjust my lifestyle to receive more. But have you ever thought that God might be giving you more? Your paycheck might say more than it did a year ago, not so that you can go and adjust your lifestyle to a more luxurious lifestyle. God might be giving you more and blessing you with more so that you can be a conduit and that you can be an answer to the prayers of other people for God to give them their daily bread. For whatever reason, in the U.S., our our minds are wired to think totally different of that. But ever thought that might be why you have been given what you've been given? It's no secret that as a church planner, I raise my salary at least currently. And if you're tuning in and you're part of our support network, thank you so much. It, it really is a hashtag blessed. But you know, most of the people who give to us is because they felt like they had more than what they needed. Now, some of them are making sacrifices to give that, but they said instead of me you know, having another cable subscription or a bigger TV or there's things that they are giving up, in other words, to help support so that we could be in the city of Portland to plant this church and that I would be able to um, provide for my family. And so they, they recognize that they God wasn't just giving them more so they could have a bigger, luxurious lifestyle, but that God also wanted them to bless others. And so this prayer, what it should do for us is it should alter whatever we intend to do with what God gives to us and that we should look for those opportunities to be a blessing to others. We tend to give into hyper-individualism in the United States. And so when we ask for God's provision, let us ask him for collectively for the provisions of those in our church and also in our city. This is one reason that we've tried to over the last year in 2020, and now carried into 2021, kind of 2020's cousin, we have tried to be more generous as a church by giving Extra money to the Portland Rescue Mission and giving extra money to every child, but not only money, giving time and service and even delivering food boxes and snow the other day because we wanna be generous with what God has given us. Sure, we could go get a nicer facility. Right now it'd be empty because nobody's gonna show up in person, but we could go rent a nicer facility or more hip or cool looking one, but we just go, man, why would we spend the money and waste the money when there's needs around us? That God's blessed us with an affordable space that we get to use on Sundays and that we can use some of this other... Uh, finances to go and bless others in need in our city. The third question then, what is this bread? Now, some of the earliest commentators could not believe that this would actually represent literal bread, like the bread for our day. They thought this bread has to be spiritual. Early fathers like Tertullian and Cyprian and Augustine, they thought this reference was either to invisible bread or the bread of the word of God or to the Lord's Supper. I'm thankful for greater uh, down-to-earth biblical understanding of the reformers, guys like Calvin and Luther. Calvin's comment was on the spiritualizing of the fathers was this is exceedingly absurd. Luther had the wisdom to see that this bread was a symbol for everything necessary for the preservation of life, like food, a healthy body, good weather, a house, a home, a wife, children, good government and peace. And probably we should add that by bread, Jesus meant the necessities of, rather than the luxuries of life. And so this bread is real food, but it may further suggest that it's everything that we need in this physical realm. So the term for daily, epiosios, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right, to be honest, only appears here and in Luke's gospel. That's the only time that we see this word appear. And so it can really be hard for us to understand in our modern context. But the term daily bread would have made entirely, a complete sense to them in this context for multiple reasons. One, most people were paid daily. And so if you're only paid daily, you don't have this paycheck where you can go and stock up your fridge and your pantry for a week. You would get paid at the end of the day and you'd go find the, the baker. Or go to the grocery store. And say, man, I need to buy a loaf of bread because the one we had this morning has gone because I fed the family with it. There also weren't preservatives. Like our bread now will last for two, three weeks sometimes, which is pretty incredible. It also makes me question what else is in the bread. Uh, but at this time, they didn't have the preservatives. So their shelf life was one day. So you bought the bread and the next day it's gonna be bad. So you'd buy it and what did you do? You would eat it. There was also no gluten-free option at this time. So sorry for half of Portland or those who actually have gluten allergies. And think about bread, the significance when you look at the Old Testament. For 40 years, God's provision for the Israelites was daily manna, bread from heaven as they wandered in the wilderness. And so we see this concept that they would have remembered to look back to daily bread. And so daily bread is everything you need to get through today. And that's what this daily bread represents. One commentator said it this way, our daily bread was all of life's necessities, none of life's luxuries. And so if your daily needs are being provided for, then God is answering this prayer. If you have clothes on your back, if you have a roof over your head, if you have something to warm your home, if you're blessed like me and have a a wife and children that are just, that love you, that you have this prayer is being answered. It's not that you're praying for, man, I want a new Lamborghini. I'll, 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 I want a bigger house. You know, those are luxuries. Nothing wrong with those. If you have those things, nothing wrong with those necessarily, but this is praying for your necessities. And if you have your necessities, then God is answering this prayer. of Give us this day our daily bread. But we got to remember, we're also praying this for others because there are others around us who don't have And you might be the conduit who God wants to use to bless other people and to really be the answer to that prayer for others. In other words, give us what we need today and just today and then do it again tomorrow, God. And do it again the next day, God. And do it again the next day, God, and so on and so forth. Now, later in Matthew chapter six, which we'll we'll be there in a few weeks, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? Oh, you with little faith! Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" or "What shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so when we ask for daily bread, we are ultimately declaring our need for the bread of life. And what I mean by the bread of life is this is one of the metaphors that Jesus himself uses to refer to himself. He refers to himself as the bread of life. John six thirty five. after two miracles involving bread, by the way, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Later in John 6, verses 48 through 51, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So this daily bread, we need for eternal life. Only the righteousness of Christ has to, enough to get me through this day. And we need this daily bread for the sacrificial and atoning death that Jesus died for us. And so church, hear me if you have anything else this morning. Trust Jesus with your life. Have utter dependence on Jesus. I want you to think more about more than just you. I want you to think about us collectively. And I want you to know that your daily you daily do not stand a chance without the grace of God. You just don't. And most of all, what I really what I really want you to recognize is that in this life, that what you need is the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the bread of life. You see, so this is pointing ultimately to salvation. Yes, it, there's this, this component of daily bread, the meal that we need to eat. There is the component of our provisions that we just need for life, those necessities. But ultimately, the bigger picture here, the bread that we need is the bread of life in Jesus Christ. And you need him today, you need him tomorrow, you need him the next day, and so on and so forth for all of eternity. And so church, here's how we're gonna respond today. We're gonna respond with a meal ourselves. It's been a few weeks since we have participated in the Lord's Supper and and communion, and so I want us to respond that way. And so if you are in Christ, in other words, if you are a Christian we're going to respond to the act of communion by being reminded of that reality, the reality that we need Jesus and we need his sacrificial atoning death on the cross and his resurrection. And so this is a reminder for those of us that are Christians, that Jesus' body, it was crushed for us, that his body was broken on our behalf for our sins and the sins of the world and that Jesus' blood was spilled for us. And so here's what I want you to do. During this time, Take just a few moments to pause and to reflect and to remember again what it is that Jesus did on the cross. Joseph will come up in just a moment and he'll start our, our time in worship, but don't feel like you have to rush in and sing. Just right there at your kitchen table in your living room, if you're with us at the Organ Stamp Society, wherever that may be this morning, just take a time to reflect on what it is that Jesus did on the cross. Confess any unrepentant sin. God is willing and able to forgive you. If you need to reconcile with a brother or sister uh, from the church or or elsewhere, feel free to text them or call them or they're in the room with you. Do whatever you need to do to prepare your heart. And then when the time is ready, at at your own pace, respond by taking your wafer and putting in your mouth and being reminded that this is Jesus' body that was broken for you. And then when you peel off this, this layer of this cup and you take this juice, be in mind this is represents Jesus' blood that was shed for you. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, you're either A really confused right now why I'm talking about the body of Jesus and, and the blood of Jesus, or you're wondering what you should do. Here's what I would say to you: skip this meal, sit this one out. That's not because we want to exclude you because we don't, we wanna invite everyone at Sojourn to take a journey of learning what it means to follow Jesus. The reason we ask you to skip this meal is because it simply doesn't mean anything to you. And so for that reason, we ask you to skip this meal. But here's what I wanna invite you to do instead. I also wanna invite you to respond by simply giving your life to Christ, the bread of life, that, well, this is who you need for salvation. Maybe you've recognized today that, man, I'm broken, I've got sins, I've got junk in my life, and Jesus is the only answer to that. And so, my invitation for you is to to reflect on what you've heard, reflect on Jesus, the daily bread that we need, and to give your life to Jesus. And if that is you, we'd love to walk you through that. You might say, I don't know how, I'm not sure what to do. Put in the comment response, and we'll know that you're responding, and someone will will take you into a private chat if that's something that you need to do. Or you can simply pray a simple prayer and you can say, Jesus, I recognize today that I am a sinner in need of salvation. Jesus, I recognize there's nothing I could do in this life that can make you love me less. There's nothing in this life that I could do to make you love me more. That you are all I need for salvation. And I pray this, Jesus, I'll do according to the compassion that you have shown me on the cross and by the power you demonstrate through your resurrection, amen. It's it's, it's as simple as that. And then we'd love to connect further with you if you prayed that prayer this morning to receive Jesus as your savior. So here's what we do. I'm gonna pray for us. And then Joseph will come back up and lead us in a time of worship through song as we respond accordingly. Can we pray for His church? Our Father in heaven, we come to you and we want to hallow your name. Praise to your name, Father. We desire to see your kingdom come here in Portland as it is in heaven. What a beautiful picture and imagining that as we look around our city. God, we want what you want for our lives. We want your will to be done, not our will. We want your will to be done for sojourn, not our will. And God, as we prayed this morning, that you would give us this day our daily bread. God, we ask that you would provide for the daily provisions of our church, for those in our church family. God, we pray that you would provide for the provisions of those in our city. God, it's bad enough when it's cold and rainy, but thinking like this past week when it was snow and ice and even losing the power in our own homes being chillier than normal. God, think about those who sleep on the streets. God, we ask that you would provide for their needs and God, that you would use your church, not just sojourn, but the church of Portland collectively to help provide for the needs of our brothers and sisters, of our neighbors who are sleeping on the streets. God, I've asked that This morning as we participate in the Lord's Supper, God, that this would be a time where we can, yes, reflect on you, but God, that we can repent of any unconfessed sin. God, that we can reconcile with any brother or sister who we have something against. And God, that as we would take that loaf, the wafer, that we'd be reminded that represents your body, God, that was broken for us. And as we take the juice and remind us your blood that was shed for the sins of the world so that we could have a restored relationship with our Father in heaven. God, for those who are tuning in this morning who perhaps have never done that, perhaps they don't know you, maybe perhaps are not a son or daughter of you, God, that they would recognize that there's literally nothing they have done in this life that could keep them from your love. God, there's nothing they have done that could make you love them less, and there's nothing they will do that will make you love them more, but God, that they can come just as they are this morning and start this journey of learning what it means to follow you. And so God, I ask that you would prompt hearts, that you would convict hearts to respond in salvation this morning in your name we pray, Jesus. We give all this time over to you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.